thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Today, we're talking about just being together or the importance of the word together. Matthew and I have been talking about the importance of just being encouraging lately. Uh, we've been through a lot these last few years, even recently with the uptick and, um, and illnesses and deaths and stress, you know, in life. It seems that it's easy to be discouraged. It's easy to focus on the negative. So this morning, hopefully, while still being challenging, you'll also be encouraged with being with the thought of the importance of the word together. You see, we were never meant to do life alone. Uh, that wasn't the way God intended it. Even in the beginning, we see in Genesis 1 and 2, when he created the world, he created mankind, he said, God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And, he, and sure, he was talking about a husband and a wife relationship, but I think it's so much more than that. He saw that it's that man, mankind, us humans, were not to do life by ourselves. But see, we like to do life by ourselves sometimes. Uh, and all, all of us, depending on your personality too, enjoy being, at least having my my time, my me time. But we also notice that our culture celebrates I guess, being independent. And there's nothing wrong with being independent. I'm not here to say otherwise, except that we can take it too far. I think we could all agree that we struggle, that, that we are, uh, at times in our lives, we go through times of difficulty. So this first point is that when we struggle together, it leads to success. You see, the world tells you, and, and this, is, this is an old school phrase, I should say, and uh, I don't mean that in any offensive way. I didn't grow up hearing it or it being used, but when uh, I've heard the saying, I've seen it on, on older movies, when it, you know, the word bootstrap, I don't even know what bootstraps are, but it says too, you know, the, our culture celebrates the importance of pulling oneself up by the bootstrap. When there's a problem, the important thing is if you can figure it out and you can just man up and, or, or toughen up and, and get through that stuff by yourself, then that's to be celebrated. And I'm not criticizing personal responsibility. I'm not criticizing not giving up hard work, good work ethic, empowering yourself, believing in, your, in, your, in the talents God has given you. But we take that too far and it leads to, I'm afraid it leads to this this culture that says, don't ask for help. Asking for help is a sign of weakness. Uh, don't accept any help. You don't need anyone because if you can pull yourself up by your bootstrap, if you can just do it yourself, then that means you've been successful. And that kind of culture we've created is a negative culture. It, and, and it bleeds into the church. When we struggle with sin, when we struggle with personal loss, addiction, temptation, maybe trials, if we've heard our whole life that we have to be strong, we have to solve our own problems, we won't lean on each other for support. And when we struggle alone, we're just that, we're alone. 
When we struggle alone, we, we don't get stronger. Uh, we, we might say, oh, you'll get stronger because you'll work through it. But asking for help isn't really a sign of weakness. In fact, you could argue that asking for help is one of the definitions of strength because it's so hard to do. It's so hard to say, I'm not perfect. It's so hard to say, I don't have it all figured out. It's so hard to say, I can't do this by myself. We don't want to do that, maybe because we're scared of looking weak. Maybe we're scared of judgment. Maybe we're scared of just failing in general. And if we can hide it, and no one has to know if we're struggling, then at least we'll appear to be successful. But the problem is, it never ends that way. And the truth is, well, we all need help. And I don't mean that and say, oh, I need help, you know, in a ha-ha funny way or a serious way, although maybe we, we all do need help at some point in our lives. We need God and we need each other. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I love this. I brought this up probably in several lessons, but it's just so powerful and can be applied to so many different things. But as we think about struggling together leads to success, Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, if anyone didn't need anyone, if anyone could do life by himself, it was Solomon. If anyone said, I don't need advice from anybody because I'm the wisest man to ever live and I have the most wealth of anyone, we could say during his time, but if you count inflation, all that kind of stuff, he was the richest man to ever live. If anyone could say, I can do life by myself, it was Solomon. And here he says, two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. See, when we're together, if we struggle together, several things will happen. We see the first thing. If, one, if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. When we fail, and we will fail, we're not perfect. When we fail and we're doing life together, someone will always be there to help us up. But two things have to happen. And we, and we, we see this sometimes, depending on uh, our friends around us. Uh, as, a, as a child, I have a, a, a one-year-old. There's, obviously, y'all know that. Um, but sometimes I'll want to, he'll be on the floor, and I'll bend over to hold my hands down. And sometimes he'll reach up and want to be picked up. And other times... I kid you not, he like slaps my hand away just to say, I don't want your help. And I'm like, oh, well, you do it yourself. And he can't stand up by himself without some kind of support and pulling himself up. That's which stage he is in child development. But it's so funny. Sometimes he'll just push our hands out of the way. And I think that sometimes that's us in our spiritual walk. We might fall and we have two options. When someone offers us help to lift our arms up and grab onto the hands and stand up together, or to push the help away and to say, I don't need your help. I can do this by myself. And here Solomon saying, man, two are better than one. If one falls, the other can help him up. But then also when we're fighting against evil, so we're fighting against temptation, or maybe we're being attacked by evil, or maybe we're experiencing life's trials. It says, although someone might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. In my notes, I say when we're fighting against evil, we're stronger together. But then also, when we struggle together, when we're both in 
walking through life together and some trial where we encounter some trial together, we we encounter some temptation together, we encounter whatever you might want to fill in that blank. When we're together, we win. Simple as that. And I know that it's not as simple as that, but that statement is a simple truth. When together we do life together with God, we win. We only lose when we say, I don't need God or I don't need others or both. When we leave God out of the picture, we will fail. When we say, I don't need anyone in my life, we go against what God said in the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. But again, culture celebrates and we pride ourselves in, look at the solution I found by myself. Well, Solomon also said there's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) So all these solutions really aren't unique to us. But when we struggle together, we will struggle together. And we also, maybe if we're not struggling together, it's because maybe we aren't together to begin with. And, and this is supposed to be encouraging, but it's also encouraging and challenging. Challenge for us to seek after that unity, to seek after being one. But once we've achieved that, look at, the, look at all the blessings that come from that. Paul talks about it in Galatians. And he talks more about it when we see someone else struggling. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. A lot of times we say, oh, you should help him out. You should restore him. And we forget that in a spirit of gentleness. We're still told to speak the truth in love. We're still told to have our speech seasons with grace. We're still told to have the spirit of gentleness. And then he gives this warning, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. So he says, what I'm about to ask you You need to be careful, but you still have a responsibility to do what? This next verse, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. says, when you see someone suffering, we have a responsibility to together help this person or help whoever we're seeking. And that also means if we're suffering to allow that help. So we have this give and take of struggling and doing life together Because if we want to succeed, that's the most successful way. In fact, that's the biblical way. He's saying, but keep watching yourself because when you go into the fire to get someone out, you also have to be careful that you don't also get trapped in the fire. So we're not told to do this with with little planning. We're not told to do this with a carefree attitude. But we're told to carry each other's burdens, to bear one another's burdens with this great intentionality. But then he goes on and says, if someone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Test your own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not his neighbor. And then this last phrase, for each will have to bear his own load. So we have bear one another's burdens, but each will have to bear your own load. And on the surface, they sound like they're completely different, but they're not. And as we talk about doing life together, struggling together, This is the key to success. When we say we will be successful if we just struggle together, I'm reminded, and David and I, David Pickard and I, went to go pick up a piece of furniture from Birmingham this uh, earlier in the week. And I was expecting maybe it'll it'll be, I knew it would be more than a one-person job. And uh, David goes, well, call call some of the boys and and let's let's get them to help us out. So I called uh, Brent and Jake, and I said, hey, I need your help moving this dresser into my house. And I expected it to be a three-person job, and uh, but it, it was really, they did great by themselves. But they each got one end of it and picked, it, picked up the dresser and carried it into the house. Now, I, I imagine 
If one of them said, I'm done, and just dropped their end of the dresser, what would happen? Well, one, my dresser would break, probably. And, but two, the other person would not be able, would not be very happy. Um, They'll probably be very frustrated. Hey, I can't carry this in unless you get your end. So this, this is the analogy I think of when it says, carry each other's burdens, but also you're responsible for your own load. Saying, share the burdens. So whenever I'm struggling and someone offers to assist me, what I should not do is say, oh, you want to help? Cool, you take it all. <laughs> now it's your problem. That's not what Paul's getting at. That's not what Jesus is getting at when he talks about, you know, loving each other and serving each other. What, what Paul here is getting at is you each carry it. You each share part of the load. And you can carry so much more. You can support it. You'll be successful. But we also say, well, I would never just throw all my luggage at somebody or all my weight at somebody and say, hey, it's your problem. But sometimes we do without even realizing it. We all have baggage that we carry. And sometimes when we're stressed, it bleeds. Not sometimes. Very frequently, it'll bleed into other areas of our lives. And maybe I'm having a bad day and someone comes to talk to me. I might snap at them. They've not done anything wrong, but what have I now done? I've now said, I have baggage that I'm trying to carry. Now it's your problem. And that's when it comes to, I have to bear my own load. I'm not, I can't throw my baggage onto someone else. Maybe I should say, hey, I'm, I'm having a bad day. And maybe open up, be vulnerable, share your burden with them, and then carry it together. Because then we'll be successful. Then we'll stay strong. And we'll more than likely be able to, to stay pure, to stay holy and become more like Jesus. But see, that also means that when we are struggling, and as we're struggling together, one of the biggest ways we can help each other is to encourage one another. So this next point is, encouragement, though, requires more than just you. Now, sure, can, can, can a single person be an encourager? 100%. I'm not saying any different. Can someone say, I'm really good at writing letters, and I'm going to encourage people by writing letters? Yes. But it still requires more than that person. Because what are they doing? They're finding people to encourage. And the people who are being encouraged have two options, to accept the encouragement or to ignore the encouragement. So encouragement that's effective requires more than one party. It requires at least two individuals or two groups of people. But in, and maybe this is too, too, too harsh, but I wonder if we can do a little bit better. We're doing a great job. I know that. We have so many of you who are great, what I call Barnabases, who are great encouragers. And there's some scriptures to remind us of what it means to be an encourager. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians in uh, chapter 5, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you were doing. He says, I know you're doing this. Keep doing it. Keep encouraging one another. In Ephesians, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. See, encouragement isn't about making us feel better. It isn't about serving ourselves. It's about sharing Jesus with others and helping meet their needs and growing to become more like Jesus. See, encouragement means we have to know what each other's what each other is experiencing. So sure, we may it might be obvious. Oh, so and so's lost a loved one. Well, of course we know they need encouragement. But when it comes down to more intimate things, hey, someone's going through a hard time personally. In order for me to know that, I have to struggle with them together. I have to become close to them. 
See, if we're not struggling together, then we won't know when those people who are struggling need encouragement. So all these things are connected for us to be together, for us to lead a successful life. So this challenge is just to make it a priority to intimately know each other on a personal level. Say, I, I care about you enough to invest in you, to know when you, when you need help, to know your weaknesses, to know your strengths. And that requires us to be honest with each other. It requires us to realize that we can't do life to, I mean, alone. We have to do life together. And that requires us to celebrate the wins, big or small. Uh, when I was reading a leadership book, and this is going to sound silly, but it said, and it, they didn't say fabricate wins, but it said celebrate anything that's success. Because when you just focus on the negative, then you're going to be negative. But you can, and a lot of times when people are struggling, that is all they see, because they can see what's right in front of them. We have to find ways to build up each other, to celebrate everything that's successful, even as what we might say is as small as, hey, you have life. We, we say that like, if, it's a, if it's no big deal, but it's a, a huge deal. You have life, God loves you. And then starting from there, that shared, I guess, encouragement we can have, go from there and spread the love of Jesus. And that will lead not only to just growth together, but also growth in Jesus and growth numerically as our church body. Which leads us to the third and final point this morning, which is growing together is effective. And that's not sound, oh, that's obvious. Well, you know, that's you know, nothing groundbreaking, no shocker there. Well, you're right, I'm not that original. But too often, <laughs> we say, well, when we go back to, we, we like to struggle alone. Because culture says, man, be independent, be self-sustainable. That's what's prided. Then we, if we don't have that togetherness and struggle together, we were missing encouragement we could be having. And then growth is led up to be an, an individual growth. You grow your direction, you grow your direction. And if we all grow, we'll all be stronger. Well, that's somewhat true. But if you grow here, I grow here, and there's no togetherness, there's no mutual growth, we could grow in opposite directions, which may not be healthy. We could miss out on compound growth. We can miss out on growth as a, as a body. Imagine if one half of your body grew at a different speed of, this, of the other half of your body. Uh, if one arm was like three inches, four inches, or more shorter than the other, it, you'd be all lopsided. It would be awful. Um, I'm sure there's people that have that, and there's, and, uh, but they also have medical attention for that because it's not the way the body was designed to operate. The spiritual body is no different. Hebrews reminds us the importance of growth. And I don't think any of us would deny the importance of growth, but it's a good reminder. Hebrews 5, starting in verse 12. For although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness and sees a child. That's pretty, that's pretty harsh. The author of Hebrews is saying, yeah, you should be more mature by now, but you're not growing, and you're still basically like a child. You're still just, you still just need milk. He said, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And let me tell you what. If we're left by ourselves, 
especially when we are talking about our young people, but, but anyone else. If we say, hey, it's your responsibility to develop your own faith. That's true. But if we leave it at that and say, so that means you do you and you figure it out without any training, without helping them grow together, without mentoring each other, without ironing, sharpening iron, as the scriptures tell us. But if we just leave everyone individually to grow at their own pace and to grow without any togetherness, what happens? Well, I think of the book, Lord of the Flies. If we're all left, if we all leave immature children to lead themselves, well, then what happens? Chaos. The church is not meant to be chaos. So the more mature should be training the less mature. That requires mutual growth. Those who are together, who, are on the, who say, we're at this level of understanding, well, let's grow together not then separate and say, okay, you do you, I do me, and you do you over here, and we'll just figure it out. Well, Hebrews is saying, hey, you need to be mature, and where does matureness come from? Those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. You can do some training by yourself, but in order for you to do proper training, proper practice, you have to have someone who knows what they're talking about. What is it? A perfect practice makes perfect? A lot of times you say, well, practice makes perfect. Well, no, it doesn't. Not if you practice the wrong way. If you practice the wrong way, you have to undo all that wrong learning and then relearn everything. So in order for us to have perfect practice, good practice, healthy practice, healthy training, one, we have to be trained by the Word of God, but we also have to have those who are mature invest in those who are not. And we have to then grow together. Peter reminds us how we can do that or in what we need to be growing in. 2 Peter 3 verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So Peter is saying, you need to grow in grace and knowledge. You need to grow to become more like Jesus. He's our He's our standard. He, and we can't do that by growing individually. Now, is there individual growth that needs to happen? Yes. But we can't leave out together growth. Because if we grow just by ourselves and we lack the connections and we don't grow together and help each other out, our body will be dysfunctional. And we are a body. Paul says that in Ephesians 4. He talks about being given all these people and the benefits of the saints and the prophets and the teachers and evangelists. And he says, this happens and we've been given all these things so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine. He says, we've been so we can know who to trust. We can do this so we won't be immature children and just kind of going along with the flow, whatever wind blows stronger and by whatever doctrine seems more appealing, by human cunning and craftiness, deceitful schemes. And here's what he says. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, not we, I'm going to say, not you individuals, it says we together, are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. So now he gives us this, this body image. Christ is the head from whom the whole body joined and held together. Yeah, the word together. By every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It doesn't say if you just listen to the right voices that you'll grow individually. No, he says if you become mature, 
if you're trained, if you keep Christ at the head, when you're held together and you each do your part, but together, if you each do your part together, which is part of working properly, that is how the body will grow, will be grounded, will teach the truth, and then we can do work. We can get our jobs done. You have talents that I don't have. Doesn't mean we can't grow together. In fact, your talent and my talent together, all of your talents and my talents together makes up a body. But if we don't come together, we won't be whole. We'll be missing parts. We'll be missing vital organs. We'll be missing important limbs. We'll be missing pieces that make our body whole. I think we want to grow. I know we want to grow. The question is, are we willing to do what it takes to grow together? Are we willing to be intimate, to be vulnerable, to suffer and struggle together, to say, here's what I'm going through. Let's help each other. Are we willing to, to do that to the extent where then we know when encouragement's necessary? Which, by the way, it's always. But when some are struggling, they need that encouragement, maybe more so than us. And then are we willing to put aside our preferences? Are we willing to put aside our, our, maybe even our personalities? Are we willing to put aside our desire for our way and say, you know, I'm going to grow God's way, and God's way is growing together, unified, so we can become one body. Because after all, he's the head, and the head's what has the brain. The brain does a lot of thinking. <laughs> and I want God to think for me. I want Jesus to do all the thinking, so that way he has it all figured out, and I, I'm going to listen to him. And let's grow together. So this morning, if you're struggling with any of these things, or maybe you're not a part of the body just yet, maybe you haven't been buried in the waters of baptism, to have your sins washed away so when you, you come out of those waters, you can walk in newness of life, being part of the body of Christ, so that one day we can all live with him forever. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.